Listening to Equip My Job, a podcast about songwriting with your hosts Derek Harrison and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hi, folks. Derek here. I'm speaking to you from the Bloor Street apartment that has served as the location for the majority of the I Quit My Job episodes produced so far. And I'm telling you this because soon I will be parting ways with this apartment. And I have just today signed a lease on a new home in Toronto. And I'm very excited. I feel like I'm moving on to bigger and better things. And maybe it's just this is just the kick in the ass that my songwriting needed. For those of you who heard the intro episode to this season and my woe is me complaining about uh, being kind of in a songwriting rut, I'm happy to report that since then I have written three new songs. So the rut seems to be over. It might have something to do with this decision, you know, to move on and to change my scenery. It makes me feel like I'm back in control of my own life and, you know, getting rid of the detritus. So anyway, back to the topic at hand. You are listening to episode 17 of I Quit My Job with our guest, Graydon James. You may know him as the lead singer and songwriter for the band The Young Novelists, and I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while now. I actually met his wife, Laura, at the Dakota Tavern to, when I was watching uh, Rachel Cardiello and the Warm Electric Winter play with Delta Will. Um, the songwriter for Delta Will will hopefully be on the podcast soon as well. But Laura and I had this great long chat about just being a musician, because Laura is in, is in The Young Novelists, and, uh, and, and they have a child together who a five-year-old boy named Simon who comes up in this podcast, just to give you some context when you hear the name mentioned. And chatted with Laura for a while, and she thought Graydon James would be gung-ho for this, and then we had this back-and-forth email correspondence. Um, this was one of the big motivators to get starting, produ- starting to produce episodes for season two with maybe guest hosts or with just one of us in the room because part of the reason why it took so long to get Graydon on the podcast was because the timing with Travis and Graydon both being in Toronto at the same time was so hard to manage. Although we did manage it. So for this episode, the first episode of season two where we return to the standard format of the show, just Travis and I, your two co-hosts, and one guest in the room. Now I'm going to turn you over to our interview with Graydon, but first you're going to hear the young novelist perform the song Always Make the Mistake from their 2015 album Made Us Strangers, as written by Graydon James and sung by Laura Spink. Make the mistake of why 
I think I moved to to Toronto in 2001. Okay. Oh, wow. And and then we bought a house in 2004. Right. Which is kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm, it it's was way in the East End. Like it's so far. It's actually technically in Scarborough. Okay. That we mm-hmm. bought this house. So it's just great having a house is crazy. That's the part that's crazy. The, about. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a weird uh, thing to do. And it seems to be weird to, like, own a house in Toronto. We have, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a detached house. It has a backyard and stuff. And, That's, you know, it's very strange. About <laughs> 20 minutes walk to the beach, like, uh, to the beaches area. Yeah. So, so it's a nice spot, mm-hmm. but we're constantly, like, I don't feel like adults enough to own a house. <laughs> own a house. Yeah. Even now, now, now that you've owned it for 12 years already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. like we've, we've do you still feel that way? Yeah, I do, because there's so many things to like fix up and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be my problem the, I think exactly. yeah. I tried to fix the front walk uh, this summer essentially and I like rented a jackhammer <laughs> front jackhammering my front walk and I'm like what am I doing so are you so originally from Kingston then I'm from Kingston area, yeah, Kingston so area, a yeah. very small town north of Kingston yeah uh, called Verona it's like 30 minutes north of Kingston okay Kingston was you know going into town that mm-hmm. was yeah it's like me with Windsor I grew up yeah, yeah. but that far from Windsor right yeah. and, and then the city. it's exciting to yeah. go into <laughs> Windsor going to, uh, going to Kingston you're like, like and then you come back to it after being in Toronto you're like it's not it's not a very exciting not town really. <laughs> Kingston's pretty pretty uh, low key <clears throat> game it's yeah. it's known for having a very high population of seniors. Yeah, so. that's true. Oh, My grandparents lived there for a long time, so that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I actually I actually grew up in Coburg, which is near. Well, it's like an hour from Kingston, but right. 
But yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at houses in Coburg on Wednesday mm-hmm. and, right. and saw a couple that are actually decent. There's a bunch that are not so hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of like any place. I mean, if I was house hunting in Toronto, which I did, you know, 12 years ago, um, I saw a lot of places that you're just like, wow, they're charging how much for this for rat hole? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and Coburg's property yeah. prices are going up pretty quickly, too. Yeah. It used to be, I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could get land pretty cheap out there, but not so much, not so yeah. much now. It's sort of being usurped into the suburbs. It kind of is, point. which yeah. is, <laughs> you know, you think about that as like, it's that's like the an suburbs hour away. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so far from here. Yeah, it's pretty it's wild. It's kind of wild, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great town, though. Like, Coburg yeah, it's does it's have... it's very picturesque. Mm-hmm. It's got beautiful a beach. beach area. Yeah. 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 So I think you're unique among our past guests mm-hmm. in a few ways. Oh. One of them is homeownership. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Keeping in mind, the guests that we have are all musicians. So yeah. homeownership yeah. is rarely a part of that. It's very rare, <laughs> But yeah. that comes along with the fact that you and Laura both um, have quite established careers in right we did i mean i worked as a mailman for 12 years okay yeah and laura still is working to nine to five she works for the ministry of the environment and climate change now wow Um, so you were you're not mailman you're not anymore i'm not no No. i i quit last just before last christmas december 23rd last year Mm -hmm. not quit your job not not 2015 i guess 2014 (laughs) so i've been like for a year and and a month doing full-time yeah Music. Yeah. Mm, that's the dream, isn't it? it How's it going? Is, it's going well. It's going much better with the like the band stuff and, and playing mm-hmm. um, music and stuff, which I didn't expect. I, I started like a studio as well in my home, and I have a lot of gear and stuff, and I thought, you know, I'll be like like a mid-level like songwriter's studio. Because mm-hmm. I, I I have a drum kit, and I have, like, I have actually two pianos in my house, which is kind of insane. <laughs> but... Uh, I didn't think I'd be like, okay, you, you're a big rock band. Let's come in and like record everything live off the floor. Like I can't That's really do the... that. I don't have that space. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd be like a singer songwriter, and then we maybe you know, oh, I want a bass on this song. Oh, I want drums on that song. Like you can kind of do that. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, getting more busy with that stuff, but it was nice. never particularly busy. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I I expect you know maybe in like three four years, like after I get maybe a few albums out. That people have heard people and can be reference. like, oh, yeah. okay, this that's is the production style. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so we were actually talking about that yesterday, Derek and I. As you were, Derek, you're considering doing something similar, like sort of accumulating enough gear to start a studio. It's a nice way to supplement the regular uh, poverty that musicianship can (laughs) It's like, yeah, if I record other musicians and charge them money, then uh, hey, we could supplement my own career. (laughs) You might be able to tell looking around that I'm a multi-instrumentalist as well. Yes, Uh, sure. Which (laughs) is great to to have, too, because then Mm -hmm. somebody comes in and like, I just do this one thing and I sing it. And, and then you're like, I can do this, what about this? this? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get better at the chops. Like, I added the podcast as well. Nice. Um, mm. So I'm trying to get better at the uh, that side of things. But would you recommend it? Uh, <laughs> so, sorry, say that again. Will I recommend you? No, no. Would you recommend... <laughs> oh, would I recommend? Investing in something like I that? I would, because, but it's, you know, it's, it's like a long-term goal. Mm, that's yeah. for sure. Um, you can't just go buy all that equipment at once. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it took me, uh, like, as I had my... my job as a mailman i would be like okay now i can afford to buy one microphone right now i can afford to buy like one more interface kind of thing and Mm -hmm. you know it's uh those long equate sales are like gold oh the best you just gotta keep an eye for (laughs) the what the monster days yeah i I bought an entire pa like uh speakers and stands and a little six six channel mixer and 
um, all the cabling and stuff for like three hundred and fifty dollars. Like, mm. and it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember going and like saying to the, the one of the managers, I was like, "Is that the right price?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't think that is." But I mean, the sticker's there, so <laughs> he I just guess was like, "He was like, all right. I don't think we should be selling it that low." <laughs> well, but he did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, things like that where you're like, "Oh, I gotta you know find this one particular thing that mm-hmm. that helps you out immensely," mm-hmm. and and then gives you a big step up kind of thing. And that and the, the two pianos is totally out of nowhere. <laughs> How does that happen? Laura's grandparents moved from their, their home to a, an assisted living place, and they had a, a baby grand, like a six-and-a-half-foot-long oh. grand oh, piano. Wow. And there was a big issue about who was going to own that piano because it's you know, it was a fairly valuable mm-hmm. instrument. Yeah. And Laura's parents lobbied hard for us to get it because we would actually use it. Right. And so it's, they were like... Well, they assessed it, and they thought it might be worth quite a bit of money, but it turns out it was worth less than they thought. So okay. then it was less were, of a, right. an issue. So they were like, okay, yeah, give it to the musicians. <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah. fine, yeah. Um, and that was the yeah. second one. You already had one at that point. Well, no, that was the first one. The second one is <laughs> You started friend, on the baby grand. Yeah, exactly. Our friend Alex, he has a, an upright, and he moved into a place that's like a third-story apartment, mm, Yeah. and the stairs were just, you couldn't fit a piano up the stairs. Mm-hmm. So he just couldn't move his piano in. Yeah. And so he needed a place to put it, and it's, so it's at our house. And so. live there until uh, his living situation changes. I exactly, guess. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we kind of lucked out and mm-hmm. have a, a nice, like a very nice baby grand, and then a pretty great upright, too. So, yeah. yeah. It's Fantastic. Awesome. You can do some Beatles stuff with the <laughs> yeah, exactly. double tracks piano. <laughs> or Tori Amos, like get them both in the same, <laughs> one person doing two hands. Anyway, yeah. So, leading up to leaving your, uh, your cushy. Postal Service job. Yeah, uh, government it job. was cushy. It was. I, I wasn't joking. I imagine quite good benefits. Yeah, it was great. Um, that's that's. I think if you can get a job, get a government job. If you can't, right? But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was this like long term plan, it, or did was it more circumstantial to be like, oh, I could actually leave my job? Now. It was more circumstantial. I mean, we had our our son Simon was three at the time that I I started to be off work. It seems like a tough <clears throat> age. Um, for you, for one of the parents to go, I'm yeah. going to try being a full time musician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you when you have a, great a time. young child. To take. <laughs> yeah, so don't don't think about that. Um, yeah, no, it certainly is something that like you're like, oh, am I being irresponsible? But we we had a kind of a plan. We were like, I'll yeah. take a two year leave of absence because Canada Post. One of the things that you can do is until your child is five. Mm-hmm. You can take a leave of absence. They it kind of like they can't stop you from yeah, taking yeah. it. Right? Is it like a paternity? It's not exactly no because it's it's called it's your like long term leave or long term care leave, mm-hmm. and it's only for if your ch- kids up to five and I think potentially if you have like dependent Older parents, parents right. that are okay. yeah. living with you. I think that's and, that's pretty that's pretty standard in a yeah. lot of government jobs. Yeah, you can get that, and it's kind of a wonderful thing. Like mm-hmm. you great, can just yeah. take this leave, and obviously mm-hmm. you, you don't get any pay yeah and your benefits are far reduced um but your job is there when you, if, if you exactly want to yeah. so yeah we had that kind of buffer zone of like well if it's not going to work out i can just go back and you'll know after two job. years at least you have a pretty good idea yeah and then it probably helps you that that laura works and, yes and you know there's there's some money coming in no matter what <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly probably makes it a little easier and yeah. so yeah it, it was like well we know we've like i've got enough gear to start the studio i'll, I'll focus on that Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how music stuff goes. We'll see if it can get busier, mm-hmm. and and then go from there. You know, and and after the first year, it was, it was kind of clear that I wasn't gonna go back. Yeah, 
Yeah. Although we would have to change our living situation, which is why we have the plan now to move to, to move Coburg. To Coburg? Oh, okay. Because it, you know, we have twelve years of equity in that home, mm-hmm. and you can. The, the hope is that we can buy a house that <clears throat> might need some fixing up or whatever. But essentially, we'll have no mortgage. And like the idea of having no mm-hmm. mortgage is like you may as well be Glorious. retired. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's like it's crazy to think about having no mortgage. I yeah, mean, I don't know we'll be able to swing it, but we might have a pretty small mortgage. You know, fifty mm-hmm. or eighty grand, which is almost That's nothing. Great, yeah. You know, pay it off in ten years easily. Mm-hmm. So, then you're like you're not worried about that monthly mortgage. Yeah. Thing which is mm-hmm. you know and rent you know it's like. That's probably half of our income easily goes to mortgaging stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just like, holy crap, it's so expensive. I can imagine. <laughs> so living outside of Toronto, do you think that's going to um, be challenging for m- music? Yeah, I mean, at least the thing about Coburg that I like is that it's relatively close. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. You can grab a, a train and come downtown and it's not like that that tough. Mm-hmm. Um so there's there's good things about that. I mean, the Coburg was a very strategic <laughs> choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Laura's parents are in Peterborough. My parents are in Kingston. Kingston so yeah, it's right like, in the middle. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the, and you're still like <laughs> right on the 401 too. Yeah. You're not very far off the, which is obviously the conduit to being able to drive distances mm. and do some touring. To travel. Yeah. yeah, and like yeah. I say, it's just far enough that property values haven't skyrocketed completely, but it's still close. Yeah. 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 So it's it kind of makes a lot of sense. We were thinking. I mean. Laura knows a lot about uh, how, what ground, what what soil is good or what soil is contaminated in this province because she oh, that's, yeah. that's her thing that's... is like she understands soil contamination. Mm-hmm. That's her like degree, yeah, from <laughs> university. So we would we didn't move to uh, Port. I think it's Port Hope, right? Or no? Yeah, oh yeah, Port Hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, right. because it's they like have the, a lot the of chemical. Radiation in yeah, the yeah. ground. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, like they that. used to bury it and then put it in the river and, you know, yeah. yeah. Terrible. Kind of a, kind of a crazy <laughs> yeah, place, actually. Oh, yeah, God. it's nuts. There was all kinds of, like, <clears throat> really, really crazy stories about kids being born with cancer and yeah. all these nuts things in, in Porto. Yeah. Man, that's a useful thing to know. <laughs> yeah, it kind <laughs> of is. Like, beautiful, that, beautiful little town, but... It is, a, yeah. it is a very lovely town, yeah. yeah, which is kind of such an unfortunate thing yeah. that they have that issue. Well, it's such an industrial yeah. area, you know, not so much anymore, but uh, at one time, that's kind of where industry was pushed out to, is just outside the suburbs, right? So right, So, Port yeah. Open, Coburg, even Coburg has a lot of factories and that sort of thing. They yeah. used to, they're mostly closed now, but... but yeah, mm-hmm. story of I, a lot of Ontario towns, I think. It is, yeah, yeah. and I kind of wonder what's going to happen... With those those places, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of people still living, and a lot of mm-hmm. people who need jobs. I mean, everything's coming more service oriented, mm-hmm. which is maybe a good thing for the music industry because yeah, there's a lot more need in some mm-hmm. sense for for music. But um, but I don't know. How do you find Windsor? Like, it's uh, a good town, but Windsor's it's also a good town for like, it's a good town for service industry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because there's there's tends to be lots of jobs, and the rent is super cheap. So I mean, there's a lot of musicians that will stay down there and and, you know launch try to launch their career from there because it's so cheap to live. Yeah. You know, you're paying you know five six hundred bucks a month. You get a nice apartment, and you can you know you can work part time and do that. So you can still keep you still keep the music stuff going if you want. I still have the time for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's the case with with a lot of those type of cities. Uh, Like Montreal is another one that has very low rent and it just attracts artists because that's you know they have to do that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, where I feel like in Toronto, there's more of a desperation probably. Uh, by, from artists because they're they need to constantly be doing something mm-hmm. in order to uh, survive to survive yeah but but you kind of have to be at a higher level to break in here I think I, I could be wrong about that that's my well 
Graydon's been in well, August. Yeah, no, I mean, I see, I see uh, people living like hard scrabble. Like it's mm-hmm. like there's, you know, there's sort of three tiers. There's the people who are trying to do just music stuff. Yeah. And and kind of starting out and trying to make a name and like that happens for almost like the first ten years of your career mm-hmm. unless something hits. Yeah. Unless you're kind of lucky. Um, and then and they're living just like hand to mouth and it's gonna yeah. be really anxious I mean I've lived that way myself yeah. as, when I came out of university even though I had a job as a mailman I was still like holy crap how am I gonna make money to yeah. make ends meet this month you know did you go to university mm-hmm. in the city uh, no I went to University of Waterloo oh, okay and, uh, I have a computer science degree so I should have done computer science <laughs> my career but I just didn't want to I, it's yeah. It's a nine to five, and it's like yeah. often nine to nine kind of job. It's one of those, you know? yeah. Like the mm. project's got to be done tonight, you know. Yeah. So you're staying late. You find... Actually, the first job I had, well, the second job I had when I moved to Toronto was as a, a computer programmer, mm-hmm. and uh, I would come in at like I like to start early. I would come in at like seven thirty or eight in the morning, and I would often be the first person there. It was a small company. There's four mm-hmm. people that worked for it, and I it would be like. 4 p.m. and I'm like, well, I've worked from like 7:30 till 4. You know, I'm gonna head out. My boss was somebody who came in at about 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. and he would be like, what <laughs> you're leaving 10. already? <laughs> and I'd be like, well, I've been here since 7, like 7:30, whatever. Like, yeah. I, it's time for me to go. And he would be constantly on me on about, you about it. not being there enough. And I was like, I'm here. I'm doing the work <laughs> that I'm required to do, and I'm also like here for like eight nine hours a day. Like, mm-hmm. and then every once in a while he'd come in and he'd be like. Okay, so the client wants the finished product tonight, so we gotta stay until it's until done. It's done. And you're just like you, you, you just could have told us here, this yeah. <laughs> like weeks ago. Why didn't you tell us this deadline? You know, and yeah. so things like that where I'm like, then all of a sudden I'm working until two a.m. and I didn't even know I was gonna be doing that. It's just not the lifestyle that I wanted to have. Oh no, and no, I mean no. not every place is like that. Obviously, this was kind yeah. of a crappy this place is a to bad be. Example, but yeah. Even the mailman job was much. You know, yeah. it's like. 6 a.m. is when you got to be there, which right. is tough for a musician. Yeah. But, you know, then you're done at 2 p.m. Yeah. And that's that. Do you, find, you, do you find, too, it gives you the time to think? Because I feel, yeah. I feel like you're alone with your thoughts. You're walking around. You know, you kind of have your routines. Yeah. At some point, you just stop thinking about your surroundings and just do it. Do you yes. find you have a lot of time to sort of, like, maybe write songs while you're... I did work on a lot of lyrics yeah. while mm-hmm. I was walking around. Yeah, you know, yeah, that happened a lot. Provide you with fodder too, I guess, because just seeing the city and being around people. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, it's kind of a, <laughs> a bit of a boring job too. Yeah. So you do have to do something to kind of amuse yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think the lyrics writing was partly to amuse myself. I would also play this stu- stupid game where I'd be, <laughs> I'd try to make up like what that person's life was like. Yeah. So I'd be like, oh, you know, Henry Jones, obviously an architect, <laughs> loves yeah. to make, build ships in bottles. <laughs> you know, you just add more details as you deliver this person's mail. Because you get to know uh, these names. Yeah, you do. Well, right? Like you see a lot of... It's actually surprising how much you can learn about somebody just from delivering their mail. Like yeah. what mm-hmm. kind of stuff they get, they get. what mm-hmm. they're interested in, you know. And you're um, on the same beat. Is, is that right? Yeah, usually I mean, I I had some luck when I first started out because you start out as a temporary worker and you get shifted to every different place. Mm. But I covered mm-hmm. somebody who was on leave for like a year and a half. So my first job, instead of being put on all these oh. different things, I got this mm-hmm. one person's the one walk person. for you a year and a half, out. and I was just like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, usually you own a route and you just do the same people's mail. I actually did um, various. Uh, 
famous or semi-famous people. Like I used to deliver um, Bahamas mail. Oh yeah, Afi, Afi yeah. Gervan, yeah. yeah. We've been tr- we've been trying to get him on the podcast. Actually, <clears throat> he's a really great guy. <laughs> yeah, I hear so. I hear that's true. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was kind of hilarious. He, I know, I would know when he was on tour because he would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna be away." I knew him actually before, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, from because I used to play drums for a lot of different bands, and I played a, drums for a band called the Sixty Eights, and that band became Zeus, and oh, they yeah. they know Avi quite well, and so uh, I mean, I was kicked out. <laughs> I was a terrible drummer, really. Removed from the. I saw, the, I saw band, Zeus but. in Windsor actually a few weeks ago. They oh, were, nice! It was like one of the best live shows I've seen in Windsor. Yeah, they're yeah, really they're, good. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was they're, really good. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, actually, that and that led to like Carlin, who's the bass player for mm-hmm. Zeus. He produced our last album. Yeah, the new stuff, album, so. right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's all like intertwined a bit. But yeah, I saw and I saw Afi on my beat. I was like, hey. <laughs> I know <laughs> Um but yeah, he's he's been doing really well too, which is yeah, fantastic. Has, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to see. So that's like the mid tier. I was talking about like there's that low, oh yeah, let's hard scrabble. There's the mid tier, like people who either have a job and then do music, and their music is kind of compromised because it has yeah, to be yeah. in a certain sense, or people who have gotten, you know, they've worked hard enough to get past that hard scrabble level, and they're now doing all right. Mm-hmm. And I, I you know I don't want to speak too much to what. Zeus is, is doing or anything but when we were ha- doing the recording with Carlin he was talking about the fact that you know it's tough still mm-hmm. and you'd think it wouldn't be crazy hard for Zeus to, for a to band, be a, a money making band like yeah. to be able to live off what they do but it's still really hard for yeah. them they, Canadian bands have it hard that way I think yeah it's just, it, there's no real <clears throat> way to make good money until you reach that really high tier exactly you know? yeah, yeah and even like, then it's not it's not amazing money it's just livable yeah, you know, which is kind of like middle class, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, how much money do you? It's it's not even about how much money do you bring in. Because I was talking with a friend, who he released an album, did a huge tour, and had a like a really good amount of shows, really good people at his shows, you know. And I'm talking to him about how much it cost and how much he brought in, and it was like, oh yeah, you know, I made about two hundred forty thousand. But I, it cost me about two hundred thirty-eight thousand yeah. dollars to like do all to this do, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you're like. Yeah, so you've made a grand total of 2000 bucks in like oh eight God. months. Like, mm-hmm. that's insane to think about. How do you live off that? You know, mm-hmm. It's not easy. You well, we all know, we all know super, super talented people who like basically live in their cars. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they just travel around and they get gigs where they can, but they're always low paying. And, you know. Even the, the whole, that, that documentary with Ron Sexsmith, mm-hmm. I think it was like two albums ago or whatever, but where he's, you know... He, You'd think Ron Sexsmith would be okay. He'd be could, okay. He yeah. could be okay. Yeah. But still not. You know, yeah. still there's a lot of things that, that you end up paying for. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the Well, we know the guys, the, we know the guys from Big Sugar a little bit because they're oh, yeah. from Windsor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even they're not. I mean, Kelly, Kelly's got a house, Kelly Hoppy. He's got a house and he does well, you know, but. He does fine. a lot of session work too. He does a lot of session work as well on top of right, Big Sugar. Right. But he's not by any means rich, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. not by anybody's uh, definition of the term. So. <laughs> And I don't think you can get much higher on the, on the fame list than Big Sugar, at least in the '90s. You know, like yeah, pretty, for sure, for a Canadian band, anyway. Yeah, it's all these things of like your perception is you'd think you'd think that they would mm-hmm. be fine. Yeah, and think. they're not, and <laughs> it's it's like oh, that's the reality of it. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying Laura's the breadwinner then? She is for <laughs> sure. I could not live it's without Laura. It's not the Laura. young novelist that's where sure. the money comes from. <laughs> um, but we'll see what happens when she uh, she's going to be taking a leave of absence for nine months from her job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then maybe not going back, 
Oh, yeah, okay. So that's the move to Coburg and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, Coburg, know, are you going to do some touring? Yeah, we have yeah. a tour. We have a 72-day tour. Wow. It's oh, like God. the longest one that we've ever done by a good stretch. Oh, yeah. So we're going out, out west March Full 24th. Band? No, just the duo. Just that's mm-hmm. one of the things that, I, too, like being very practical about we can't afford to bring the whole it band. It would be yeah. nice to have the full band. Yeah. yeah. So making it work as a duo is making it work financially, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, recently kind of crunched numbers. and You know, we have a lot of, a lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the duo is, is like thousands of times more profitable than the band. <laughs> like, right. Just because the band is like running in the red all the time. Yeah. And, and the duo is sometimes in the black. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> amazingly. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's good yeah but just like that's the reality and mm-hmm. so then you're talking to your bandmates and they're like well you know are we a band or are we not a band and you have to say like well have to make those we, we gotta make it work the yeah, way we can make it work, can make it like, work yeah. either we break up forever or <laughs> we make this thing work and like that might mean you know you're basically not touring with us and, and only playing certain shows when it makes sense and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the reality yeah you just gotta be you know <clears throat> open communicate these things and yeah. make sure everybody's on the same page so, Although it could be sure. argued, I mean, I'll suggest it could be argued that you guys are actually a trio. Yeah. With Simon as your... He's like the guy in the Mighty Mighty Boston who just dances around, you know? How yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's the hype man. He's yeah. the hype man. Yeah. <laughs> and City Hall for their... They have this new like live music series there, which is nice. They're, they're kind of promoting more music in Toronto, which is great. Mm-hmm. But uh, Simon was with us, and uh, he did some kind of great things. Like he was dancing, and he talked about the merch he so he was selling merch and like that was really popular with people you gave but him he a also mic? no unfortunately <laughs> probably should have but he's really shy about that oh okay yeah he'll be like really boisterous until you give you him until a you mic get the microphone yeah like, no, it's like oh no, i can no, hear no. myself now i can't do <laughs> yeah. this yeah but he actually walked behind the stage and stepped on a cable and like there was a you know we just finished this quiet gentle folk song kind of thing and <laughs> bring <Pop. laughs> like the huge kaboom in the atrium of City Hall, oh, and it just echoed all around, and everyone's like, <gasps> and he steps out from behind the curtain that was in yeah. the, behind the stage, and he's just like, looks the most guilty. <laughs> it's like, oh, what happened? <laughs> no, it was you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the other, one of the other ways that you are unique to any of the guests we've had before. I, th- I think you're the only guest that, that has children, or oh, a, yeah. a child. So far. Yeah, so far. <laughs> so far, yeah. Uh, Do you find, I, I mean, I think it's it's a pretty cliche question to ask whether or not it changed your music it probably did but like to what degree do you think that it influences the way you write do you think it really changed it or uh i i don't know i mean i certainly there's different topics that i write about i think it mm-hmm. i mean obviously it changes you as a person yeah i was course, talking yeah. with uh, another i mean there's a drummer in the band is also a dad and he mm-hmm. uh, is gonna have another child pretty soon so he'll have two kids and we were talking about going and seeing inside out Mm-hmm. You get to kind of go and see these kids' movies with your kids, and it's there's no shame in it. And so we saw Inside Out, and it's like, it it I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there's no. you know someone with the emotions, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's heartbreaking, and you know I was like, it was really dusty in that theater for me. <laughs> and Simon is watching as well, and he's just like, hey, it's good good times, good fun. What yeah. what are you what's upset what's about? Like, Why are you crying? What's going yeah, on? Exactly. And I'm just like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, yeah so there's that the, of mm. like you're just suddenly way more emotional about certain yeah, things yeah I can imagine and uh, it's good because yeah. I think that it's important makes to makes you a more you know, empathetic person probably on some level right I, I hope so yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like you never 
really expect that that's going to be the, the mm. thing that you learn about yourself as you become a dad that you're going to yeah. be you know this this emotional wreck all the time <laughs> all the time <laughs> so have you have you put an instrument in his hands yet yeah, he's played yeah. drums. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And he's that's always the piano. first one I feel like with kids that are young <laughs> and they're introduced to music. They just, just want to wail these things. on things. Oh, sure, <laughs> they do, and they're good at hitting stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my you, my dad was a drummer, and, and so, was drumming your first instrument as well. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. so that maybe is part of the legacy mm-hmm. of yeah. You it's know, a good entry point. It's yeah. good, good way to get to get kids to enjoy it. Well. Yeah, because yeah. it is pretty fun too to yeah. hit the drums. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas I feel like you know you go straight to piano or guitar, and it could, that sort of learning curve seems higher, and it seems like it's much tougher to get them into it and actually want to do it. You don't want to ruin yeah. it either that young. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a, a whole issue of like there's a lot of technical skill required for piano and guitar. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying this and thinking like <laughs> that means there's no technical <laughs> skill required for drums. <laughs> um, no, but you can you, well, you can at least to... make noises, right? That yeah, sounds exactly. something like it, and they form into something as he does it more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's been, it's very uh, interesting to play. I play piano with him now, and you know, I just be like, just stay on the white keys, and you know, we, I'll play mm-hmm. something in key of C, and, and then he just kind of plucks notes yeah. as he wants to, and it, it really sounds nice. Mm-hmm. And I think he gets a lot out of that. He really enjoys doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'll just start bashing away at the, <laughs> at the keys, and then, yeah. like, okay, well, now it's time to take a break. But, uh, and so you put the drumsticks in his hand yeah mm-hmm. but it's good it's a good entry thing I think to like you know play with him yeah. I like piano for that guitar mm-hmm. is way harder to actually play the same instrument yeah with him, you know? it, mm-hmm. piano's very visual too you know like yeah. it, everything's set up the way it sounds where a guitar kind of seems counterintuitive in a lot of ways it does unless, unless you know it you know? I mean yeah I, I've had a lot of I mean I'm not a guitarist like I, that's what I play yeah in the band, <laughs> I'm the same way but, but you, you don't know, identify I'm a as strummer a you know yeah that's what I am too I can see I Maybe it being a computer programmer, I'm like sitting at the keyboard all the time, and then sitting at a piano is very similar in its way, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see it's the linear. relationships. Yeah, exactly. Um, in a in a different way, so that I understand the piano much better than I understand guitar, and mm-hmm. and drums is just fun. There's, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of skill involved in being good, but you can get to a certain level of of proficiency i guess with without necessarily being good and that's i think Mm -hmm. where i'm at yeah (laughs) and it's fun yeah yeah okay so how'd you make the switch from drums to becoming a songwriter or was that always in there um i i was a drummer in university with a couple of bands like towards the end of university but i i had uh, work terms like i did a co-op at waterloo which is great because Mm -hmm. you can earn some money to towards your education but um i'd be like in a city where i knew nobody and I didn't have any idea what to do with myself, so I started to try to learn how to play guitar, mm-hmm. and uh, and then started trying to write songs. And yeah, those early ones are pretty bad. Are they are they hidden away or are they public? There, I don't even think I recorded or like tried to record or play anything until I'd been writing songs for a few years. I was the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it was years, like I wrote lots of songs, but I, my first good song was well, well yeah. it was years into yeah. the process. Have you yeah. looked back or have you been able to find like, I've got, old stuff? I've got, I've got demos dating back like 15 years on my computer. Do you so, think, I mean, would you ever try to rework them? Most Or, or try them with your current no. level of skill? Like, uh, I have done some of that, mm-hmm. but I've never really gone back more than three or four or five years. Yeah. Um, because I think beyond that, it's just like like, and there's a few tracks that stand out, and they do evolve over time. Yeah, the ones mm-hmm. that have stuck. But uh, I think knowing when 
recognizing when something's dead and moving on is really good for continuing to I'd rather write new songs yeah yeah, yeah. you know I'd rather start fresh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, like, I'm, I'm unfortunately I didn't have the same sense, and I started late. I didn't start writing songs until I was in my twenties, and so my right. early twenties, and so uh, I right away wanted to release something. So there's nice. like, there's really bad copies of some self-recorded EP floating around out there that maybe six or seven people have that they constantly <laughs> remind me that they have it. And then there's uh, I listen to that yeah. all the time. <laughs> and there's my first nice. album, which actually like there's probably about half a dozen songs on that first album that I'm like. Okay, those are pretty good considering my like relative skill level at the time. That's, right. that's that's okay. But it took me until my next album that I released where I was like, ah, I'm pretty happy with pretty much everything on here. That's but, good. Yeah, it's it it. But I, it, there is definitely that like, I feel like most musicians that start earlier they don't have access to recording mm-hmm. necessarily when they're twelve or thirteen. At least we didn't in our generation. Like, yeah, kids now probably do. But but uh, I was also quite shy. Yeah, I was too. Cripplingly, so, so I didn't really want is that, anybody to hear it. Do you think is that part of like the becoming the songwriter? Like I, I don't know if, if are you, that's w- were you shy as well? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Just being like, I just want to spend some time by myself with my feelings. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some, write some things down and just see what that has, feels like. You know, like is that part of? And is it possible to be uh, a, a decent songwriter without some level of that? I do think. Having a lot of ego does result in a lot of bad art. Yeah. <laughs> but can, that's yeah, not definitely. a hard rule. Right. Yeah. Well, I imagine plenty of David Bowie had a hell of a lot of ego. <laughs> so yeah. it seems like he did anyway. There's definitely um, people who do. But then there's also people who go on stage and have this big ego and then get off stage, like Wax Mannequin, and then get off yeah. stage and no ego. Like, it's right. part of the show. Mm-hmm. And then they're just actually a really shy person, but you'd never guess it if you've only seen them on a stage. Right. I mean, I was going to say that's a good and an interesting example. I've only seen Wax Mannequin. I saw him at a conference, a folk conference, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I talked to him, you know, a couple of times before I ever saw him perform. Mm-hmm. And he was just a great, really nice guy. Yeah, really, he's a really sweet you know, guy. down to earth guy. Yeah. And then he performed, and I was kind of put, thrown off. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, disconcerting in a certain sense. And I. Did, I don't think I could enjoy the performance for what it was because I I talked to him beforehand and mm-hmm. I was like who is that guy? Yeah, <laughs> like I just kind of felt like I didn't understand what he was doing on stage. Not that yeah. his you know I, and I've since heard his his music recorded and stuff and I like what mm. he does quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, but uh, it was just a maybe just you know my own. It's very sense intense. Of him. It's extremely it intense. Really yeah. intense. Yeah, I mean the first time I saw him, I had met him before that. Uh, we have a mutual friend that introduced me to him. And then probably about three, four weeks later, he was in Windsor, he played Fog, and I, I mm-hmm. walked in midway through his performance, and he had a red candle on his head that was lit, and the wax right. was all down his face as he's playing. And it's like, what? <laughs> is, and it's like okay? super intense songs, and he's like staring at everyone. When he's yeah, like, it's engagement. like, I, uh, this is really uncomfortable, but I think I like where it's going. <laughs> yeah, he's a very uh, interesting artist in that way, yeah. too, because I think he does really command a room really well, mm-hmm. which is tough. It's mm-hmm. like that's not something that I think people know intuitively, no, or even yeah. know how to learn. Right? It's, yeah. It takes you a while. I'm still a, learning that. Still, I'm yeah. much I'm getting better at it, but yeah. I'm still learning that every time I'm on stage, I have to like consciously think about that. Which when is you first there, start, you don't do it. Yeah. But, no, yeah. you have no. Yeah, you have no, no idea. You're just like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is why there. I mean, there are obviously some people that do have it i mean mm-hmm. i feel like somebody like taylor swift and not to like delve into the the pop what mm-hmm. have you but mm-hmm. 
she had something. She must have had something, and she obviously some has presence. gained some confidence, mm-hmm. you know, since she started by a large degree. But she still must have started with something, being able to just walk in and mm-hmm. grab people's attention. Yeah. And, so you think that there's, but do you think there is something to that sort of? Because you're right. Like songwriting itself, at least the type of music that we play. Uh, it tends to be very introspective, like mm-hmm. it's very reflexive work that you're doing. And uh, do you feel that you you may have to be a little bit introverted at least? I like you have, to have that side of yourself. I certainly think a, a level of introspection is required, yeah. and whether or not that means that. I mean, I've, I I don't know. I I guess maybe I attach more to the art that's done by people that seem to be introspective or in, in, mm-hmm. introverted, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not as interested in in somebody who's. Extra yeah. yeah, like I never really liked Guns N' Roses, for example. Like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, I've heard it on the radio a lot and it's nothing wrong with that music, but just didn't mm-hmm. connect with me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like that kind of bombast. But then yeah. again, I really like The Who, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that also seemed yeah. to be quite ballsy yeah. or egotistical music as well. And mm-hmm. I don't know why yeah. I prefer that. And, yeah, see, I, I remember seeing a video of Elliot Smith playing somewhere, and this was kind of before he was super big. He's pretty big in Seattle, and I think mm-hmm. that's where he, or Portland, I guess, sorry. And he was playing in Portland, but he had a hoodie on as right. he was playing, and it's like, yeah, I feel that. I yeah. feel that. Yeah. I wish I could do that. I just want to go on stage with a hoodie and just play the songs. Like, sometimes, especially some nights, you know, it's, it can be tougher, so. Yeah. But yeah. I also respond really well to, especially singer-songwriters who command the stage. Yeah. Yeah. One, it's one person on a stage but then their presence can fill the room mm. and I think Craig Cardiff is a really good example of that yeah, yeah he's, he's um, great uh, I, I, I respond really well to that mm-hmm. and so I, you're never done yeah. Right? Yeah. You're, <laughs> yeah. it's like you said the 10 years of slogging is like how almost every story goes and yeah. Yeah. I haven't and then an overnight success <laughs> after 10 years of slog yeah. <laughs> yeah see I have it in my calendar written it's like yeah. two, <laughs> by this it? date or stop <laughs> 2021 on yeah. <laughs> September whatever that first open mic I did at the University of Windsor yeah 10 years on the dot I'm nice. expecting the like, che- checks to roll in I'll just be swimming <laughs> in radio and record contracts when and, the Juno uh, comes in <laughs> Yeah, is that how it worked for you when you hit that ten age? Is that when you got that songwriting award? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I had been writing for ten years at that point. I think probably because this was fairly to. recent. It was, this yeah, was it was just early, last year, yeah. um, mm-hmm. like fall of last year. What award was it? Remind me. It's called the Colleen Peterson Songwriting Award, mm. and I, I have to say I, I am particularly honored to be associated with Colleen Peterson, who I didn't know much about her before. I I heard about the award, and. Then as soon as I heard about it, I was like, well, I better f- figure out yeah. who this person is. <laughs> and, you know, you can go on YouTube and find some clips of her doing... She's such a great singer, but she also sings in, like, six different genres. And, like, holy crap. Like, hey, she's a good jazz singer and a good, like, gospel singer and a good, you know, just country kind of singer. You're like, how is that even possible for one human being? <laughs> yeah. You know? So she, yeah, she is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and that was... And then, you know, finding out, too, that she, she died when she was 42, 44, wow. like, pretty young, for, yeah. for all things considered. So that's a, quite a loss there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was an honor to be associated with her. But um, at the same time, I feel so weird about getting an award. What does <laughs> yeah. that even mean? Yeah. You know, like... Because that implies some sort of competition. and It does. And it's just which, sort of not in the nature, I think, of most of us to think that way about music. No. I, yeah, it's not how I think of, of any art really mm-hmm. as being competitive. I, I mean, I, 
to my maybe to my detriment, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan, <laughs> and they won a Grammy. And I remember Eddie Vedder going on stage and being like, "I don't know what this means." Yeah, and they got, I don't know how to tell acceptance this. speech, <laughs> and they never won a Grammy after. That was the entire acceptance. Um, and then I don't know. I saw Pearl Jam's documentary when they were. I'd been a band for twenty years, pre J twenty. And it shows Stone Gossard walking through his house, and he's you know showing this thing, this thing, and oh, oh, here's the Grammy, and it's like on a shelf holding cables. It's got <laughs> yeah, cables yeah, wrapped around it. And just, uh, yeah, okay. I bet that's how uh, Ian Anderson Jethro Tull's Grammy looks because they right. weren't even at the awards. They were like, "There's no way we're gonna win." <laughs> yeah. and well, didn't like, they win Tull. for like best? And they were all just at home watching it on TV. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that that stuff is you know it's the only thing that I think is. The reason for it, I guess, is because of the the difficulty in, in getting exposure or difficulty in getting people to know who you are. And then these awards are something that, you know, is just like an ability to for somebody to figure out, find out who you are. Mm-hmm. It's like a point of, you know, of introduction in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And that's maybe the, the, best, the thing best thing about, about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sort of against them in a, in a, in a personal way. But I understand why they exist, and I think that they are valuable for that. Mm-hmm. Partly because it's such a tough time in in history for people for to people be to get hurt to stand yeah. out. Yeah. Partly okay. because of that yeah. sort of competitive nature that we have, kind of throughout society, right? Everything's yeah. a competition. Everything is economized, and so you know that that's that extends to art and extends to music. And so these awards are just sort of a an, an amalgamation of that mindset in yeah. a lot of ways. It would be mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't ever like consider you know. Plumbing, you wouldn't be like, oh yeah, yeah let's figure out who's the greatest award. plumber yeah. <laughs> in Toronto. Even like maybe there is that. Maybe the plumbing <laughs> yeah. association has these they have awards. These, they they have, have annual galas with. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a black tie affair. I suspect that every industry does have something. Like yeah, that. there's probably some recognition, right? Mm-hmm. But but then you know, it's not as as uh, obvious or maybe as as well known as it, as it should be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's out in the convention but, center by the airport. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Till it gets primetime ratings, we're not interested. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, speaking of good singers, it, is it right that that you met Laura initially at to sing on one of your tracks? Um, the first time I met Laura was she was in a musical, and uh, I was doing various improv things. This was in university, and she was friends with this guy, this fellow named Jamie Rosen, who he did. A lot of music for the musicals that were done at the university, and he also did music for the improv groups that, you know, because musical improv stuff is very uh, key, and you need to have a really good musician who's also a really good improver. And mm-hmm. Jamie was that, and uh, so he was like the link between Laura and myself, and that's how I met her. I didn't. I remember the first time I met her, I didn't really like nothing really clicked. Like we weren't yeah. didn't become friends or anything like that. It was only the second time that we met which was probably a year later that we actually like ended up becoming friends. I was dating somebody at the time. So there mm-hmm. was a little bit of a, um, I, I had a crush on her <laughs> while I was dating somebody. Yeah. And I was like, this is dangerous. Yeah, like, Let's this is uh-huh. bad news. But Gotta navigate uh, that carefully. Yeah, exactly. But we were friends and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and then, did you, were you friends and musical collaborators at the time? Not, until we started seeing each other. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And and I mean I didn't really even do much music like in terms of playing guitar and singing mm-hmm. until we'd been seeing each other for a little while and then I because I was mostly a drummer and I always thought I'm just going to be a drummer. I want to be a drummer for bands. Maybe I'll sing harmony sometimes, but you know, mm-hmm. I just 
loved playing the drums and I kind of in in a lot of ways I would still love to just be a drummer go on <laughs> tour pressure, with somebody sure. and just be like yeah. I'm the drummer <laughs> um, yeah and I've had some very that's like the most crazy gigs I've had were as a drummer yeah up to up to this point so it's been good but yeah we uh, first song we ever sang um, together on was a song that I wrote while she was in the shower and uh, we still sing it to to okay. this day it's called mm. Scarecrow it's like one of the oldest songs that I still sing yeah. mm-hmm. it's probably the only song that has any legs that I wrote in the first probably eight years of writing songs mm-hmm. like, yeah yeah. it's for whatever reason it just seems to have have lasted mm-hmm. I, have a, I have one like that as well it's yeah. just like mm-hmm. one that's back from way back when yeah. and everything else has been discarded except yeah. this one song mm-hmm. like something went right there and you're yeah. like great yeah. I'll just hold on to that I'll and like, that see what and happens hopefully learn from what I did there <laughs> yeah. and use it to continue to do stuff like that. Yeah. But so do you guys, do you, think, do you guys write together at all? Sorry. We, yes and no. I mean, yeah. I, I, um, I write a lot of things and partial things and show them to Laura and she says, that's pretty bad. And then <laughs> she'll rework them for you. <laughs> yeah. She's just one of the gatekeepers. Then. She's one yes. of the gatekeepers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, she's a, she's a good person to throw things against and, and, and have her say, that's not very good. And then mm-hmm. you go back and you just try to improve. Um, which I, you know, I think everybody kind of needs. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, often it's you know inside your own self. You're just like, this is terrible, and mm-hmm. I must improve. But it. everybody has blind spots about their own work. Yeah. Yes, on yeah, the positive and the negative side. Yeah, right. for sure. Sometimes things you think are crap are actually end up being pretty good. Yeah, yeah. We're we're uh, honest with each other in a way that I think is great. Like we're we've been together for a long time, and mm-hmm. we had our 15 year anniversary. 10 years married, and five years before that we were dating. So 15 years this past September and that's a good amount of time to be with somebody yeah. Yeah. and you can be pretty honest and it that's not gonna affect anything right? yeah. Yeah. yeah it might be like I'm a little upset right now but <laughs> 10 minutes from now I'll be fine yeah. Um, so yeah there's a lot of, of honesty and I think that that's a really important thing I think probably for any collaborators yeah, to have oh, for a, sure. a level sure, yeah. of just being able to say you need to work on that some more or something mm-hmm. and especially when you're combining a marriage and a musical collaboration <laughs> yeah. together which uh <clears throat> most of the time doesn't seem to work from well from yeah what I've like it's learned. it's worked for for people for a while and then it, it seems to fall apart a lot mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I hope that it never does for us yeah. that's As my, do I. my dream <laughs> um, but yeah so far it's been great I mean and we've obviously done a fair amount of touring just the two of us yeah. and that's like the hardest thing of all time because mm-hmm. you're you know traveling with any one other person you're always yeah. against each right. other in some way and when you're married there's extra high yeah. stakes yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, but also a little bit more security, probably. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, when you get home, things. just go to a different room, shut the door for a little while. <laughs> Three days, four days, yeah. where we don't talk <laughs> to each other. It's good. Do I, you feel like you and Laura will do it more often eventually, or she's, just works the way it is? She wants to sort of write her first song on her own, mm-hmm. and then you know, asks me like things about writing songs and. Obviously, I've written a lot of songs. That doesn't necessarily mean I know much about songwriting, yeah. which is yeah. kind of a weird thing. That's why we started this because we have no idea, right? <laughs> like, and every guest what? has something different to say. Yeah, about yeah, it. and it is very it, a personal thing in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I think how you write a song, and uh, I remember Laura trying to, you know, she's trying to write lyrics and come up with different things, and and I was like, well, you know, we don't have any lyrics for the verse. Let's just start on the chorus. Uh, let's come up with something like interesting for that chorus and she's like no we gotta figure out the first first we gotta start at the beginning <laughs> yeah and I was like you can start anywhere anywhere yeah. Yeah. And, her, and I her, often do her idea was that you need to start at the beginning and like lay everything out 
Mm-hmm. And then, well, she's a scientist, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't no scientists. <laughs> Experimenting um, with lines for each part. Yeah. Anyway. Do you get into a space where you're like, now all my songs are kind of starting to sound the same. Like, how do oh, I yeah. shake oh, this up? Oh, all the time. Yeah. 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 I've yeah. noticed a pattern for me, and this is, it's kind of two different things, but one of them is that I will be writing a lot of songs that sound kind of the same, mm. and I'll start getting worried about it, and then I'll write one, and it's, is in the vein, but it feels like that like, was the one I was actually trying to write, right. and all these other songs were just practices for this one. It's the epitome, and then of the I get it out, and it feels like the epitome, and then I just switch gears, right? And not even necessarily consciously, um, but it can also come from just not listening to enough new music, yeah, not changing your, yeah, not going to enough live shows, not yeah, re- replenishing the well, as it were. So do you both. find do you find you get that too? I do. Um, I I have this sense that I keep like I like certain chords so much. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Kind of sometimes I'm just like, where do I go? Uh, how about this chord that I love to play? <laughs> and I have that happen yeah. maybe too often. F major I, seven. Yeah. F major seven is a good one. I like diminished chords and I like augmented chords. Mm. So if I'm ever kind of caught for what to do to make it interesting, I'll be like, what about a diminished chord? <laughs> yeah. Here? That's your fallback. And you're just like, yeah. So. Or B7. I just love B7. Oh, yeah, yeah. Throw one of those B7. in there. It's a blues song now. It's great. B7 is good. So I got three different, I think I got three acoustics all in different tunings. Oh, nice. Mandolin on the wall and a banjo. So if I feel like I'm, 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 the well's dry, I just switch. Switch. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, oh, there's a whole new spectrum of sort of ideas and shapings and yeah. you know, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been, because there's pianos in my house, right. uh, writing more things on piano, that, that really forces you to... They sound a lot different, right? Try to do something different, yeah. And it's a super versatile instrument. You can do virtually anything on a piano. It is you, amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly... My skill level is very capped. Yeah. Um, I've never... <laughs> I took two weeks of piano lessons in my life. Mm-hmm. And so everything else is just what I can learn myself, which means basically I'm a campfire chord playing piano player. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you know, working what you can with that instrument just mm-hmm. kind of makes it interesting. The limitations can sometimes bring out good things as well, though. Yeah. You know, like being limited is, is, is in itself, it can be a virtue. Well, you one, of the things, doing. one of the things I remember about early songwriting stuff was coming up with chords that I, like, I invented this chord. Yeah. And then, you know, a month later figuring out, oh, actually, that's a A major. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, this. That's never been done before. Um, but I feel like I was more inventive when I knew less about yeah, the guitar. There is that feeling. Chords, yeah. you, know? you don't know what you're supposed to do, so you just do whatever feels right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and certain things that. like, oh, that sounds nice with that other thing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then you know, learning songs like we learned a James Taylor song not too long ago, and we learned a George Harrison song for a tribute night, and where they're like, wait, who would ever think to put these chords together? Why do yeah, these yeah. chords work together? It mm-hmm. seems insane that they would work together mm-hmm. and that there's like an actual melody that just flows nicely through. And feels not, doesn't feel forced or angular. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. And so there's all that kind of stuff where like, I should really just push myself to try to write more things where I'm like trying different chords mm-hmm. and making myself uncomfortable and, you know, mm-hmm. but. And I think there's an element of effort in putting together unexpected things that still sound natural, which especially coming from folk songwriting, we're not used to putting that much effort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a certain sense of is like... Is that bad for me to say? Or? The, well, no, but I think there's a certain sense of like, this is the verse, and it's just these chords, and you just mm-hmm. do those chords. Yeah. But whereas, you know, there's a, a different way to looking at it, being like, 
what if I just change this chord once for for fun, and then mm-hmm. in the next line I change this chord one time, and mm-hmm. then you know, and then suddenly it becomes a really complicated song. Yeah, but it's much more interesting in that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I did and engaging. I wrote a song. Oh God, I, I get made fun of for having a lot of chords in my songs <laughs> with the band. But I wrote a song that was just like there's there's like a chorus, but everything else is not. It's just whatever I felt like yeah. playing in that time. So there's like it <laughs> starts with one sections. progression, goes to a chorus, goes to another progression, goes to a third progression, goes back to a chorus, goes to a f- like another and progression, fourth, and then another, yeah. and then it's yeah. just like what is this song and it's a terrible song I gotta tell you it's not good at all but I felt like I just needed to get something out to, you know I just needed as to, an exercise yeah yeah. and being mm-hmm. like what can I make up that you know will work mm-hmm. even if it doesn't sound I think good. sometimes like for me I, like, I, don't, I don't have the ability to be honest in a lot of ways to do a lot of that super complicated stuff so I do fall into the, the same patterns but then sometimes I'll like really try to push myself and I might get a song or two out of it that's totally something I wouldn't normally play chord wise. Right. And then but then I start to do it. It's like, okay, well now I've raised that bar. Now the next time I gotta make it more complicated. <laughs> yeah. like, there's, there's a certain point where like just Well you're going, in competition with yourself now. Yeah, right? exactly. And at a certain point where you just you, like gotta go listen to some John Prine. And yeah. get back to playing three chord songs three chords again, you know? Truth, like, yeah. it's yeah. and just and just being okay with that. And that's a very, you know, effective and well worn way of writing great songs. So Yeah. You know, it's, I, think it's ever, both, I mean, like that that tension. When you go in or when you start, do you ever sort of challenge yourself? Like, okay, this is going to be a song. It's just like two chords. I'm just going to try to write something interesting with two mm-hmm. chords mm-hmm. or something. I have, like that. Well, yeah, yeah, I have done that before. Yeah, I don't do that. Like, I have, and it hasn't ended well. Right. <laughs> what happens this with is me, a lot of tears and a lot of blood <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> I do have like two chord songs, and I do have songs that are very like the way the chording and playing is very traditional folky and like yeah. super simple. Yeah. Um, but what has happened is that I, either the lyrics or the melody has made me go, all this other stuff doesn't even really matter because right. I felt yeah, so strongly exactly. about this one thing that like I didn't want to put any artifice in there at all Yeah, because mm-hmm. I thought it would just distract. Mm-hmm. So I, fi- I just, it, trusting my instincts is, was a long thing. took a while to learn, but I feel like that's, when something ends up simple for me, it's because it needs to be. I felt like it needed to be yeah not because i chose it yeah mm-hmm. yeah there is kind of a, a f- not a falsehood necessarily but like a, a, you're putting a restriction on yourself that f- for what purpose maybe to learn mm-hmm. something but you know did you really mm-hmm. at the end of the day did you write a good song right mm-hmm. that's like yeah. the real test mm-hmm. i guess uh so uh, this is a song that's quite old um and it's the only song I ever wrote the lyrics first. Uh, every other time I've written the music first and then try to find lyrics for it. So this is one, my, when I was a mailman, my truck was broken down and I had to wait for them to come and, and help me fix it. And I was just sitting in the truck for like three hours and I just wrote these lyrics and then tried to find music that would fit it. So this is called um, The 70s Are Almost Here Again. Going in reverse You're suffering because And you never want to rehearse I got a question A question or three There's a suggestion 
to set me free You're calling me small town You're polishing your crown But you never want to see down I got a problem You used to solve them for me And if you call them You set me Your other friends And isn't it a crying shame I got no defense And there is no one else to blame But my stupid sense of time It's all mine All me And I'll be fine If you set me free Set me free Set me Graydon James. Felt like we could have talked to him for hours. In fact, after we shut off the mics, we did keep talking about songwriting. He's a really sweet dude. Go find more of Graydon by listening to his excellent band, The Young Novelists. You can find out more about them and their 2015 release, Made Us Strangers, by heading over to their website at theyoungnovelists.com. They also have a couple shows coming up. Saturday, February 6th, they play a house concert in Barrie, Ontario. And then the following Friday, February 12th, you can catch them at the Burdock Music Hall in Toronto. You should definitely go check them out. As for us, you can subscribe on iTunes, where you can also rate and review us if you feel so inclined. Rating and reviewing helps us get noticed by iTunes algorithms and makes us more findable, so it helps us grow the podcast. It would be greatly appreciated if you could do that. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash IQMJPod, on Twitter at IQMJPod. You can find us on SoundCloud by going to soundcloud.com slash IQuitMyJob with dashes between all those words. And we have Instagram now. You can find us there at IQMJPod. And of course, our website is IQMJPod.com, where you can find out all sorts of things about us and the podcast, including the archives of all 17 episodes to date. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week when Derek interviews Kevin Head. See you then. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. 